Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. James gives us a warning of worldliness, but more specifically, sin within our own heart. Selfishness, pride, envy, lust, desire. Those are all the things that we have on the inside of us and many more. So this morning, we're going to take them apart a little bit and we're going to devise some battle plans to be able to fight the enemy. So let's start out there at James chapter 1. It says, which causes conflicts among you, but the hidden, really in another translation, the hidden sin within your own heart. I want you to look at your spouse or your children or whoever's with you this morning, and I want you to look at them and tell them, you're not the problem. Go ahead. Say, go ahead, go ahead. All right, some teenagers should be looking a mother in the eye and saying, you're not the problem. And a mother should be looking at a teenage daughter in the eye and saying, you're not the problem. Because James chapter 4 says, it's the sin within our own heart that's the problem. What causes conflicts and struggles? So I, I was going to illustrate this by telling a little story this morning. And, you know, so one day I come home and I'm feeling pretty good, you know, like things are looking up. I walk inside the house and it is pristine, it's nice, it's beautiful. How many people are married to an A-type personality? There is grace. Uh, there, what, man, did you see that? Hardly any hands went up. There's no, you're just too scared to admit it, aren't you? All right. A-type personalities like things to be so dress right, dress, clean, neat. If my environment was pristine, then I would be at harmony with the world, right? So I walk into this really nice house. Clean, floor's been done, the kitchen looks awesome, and first thing I notice is there's not shoes. There's not a pile of shoes by the door. Like, oh, Kim went on a uh, cleaning rampage. All right, so I go in, I, I walk upstairs. I kick my shoes off, by the way, and throw them in a basket by the door and go upstairs, and I come upstairs, and I'm like, hey, babe, how's it going? She's like, ah, oh, fine, how you doing? She's sitting on the bed. And I have a corner. Man, do you guys have a corner? See, the room is hers, but I do have a corner, and what happens in my corner stays in my corner. She's like, clean up your corner. I'm like, no, that's my corner. If I want my corner clean, I'll clean it. So I come around, I come around the bed, everything's good. I come around the bed, and there's this big pile of shoes that used to be down by the door. And I'm like, well, why are all my shoes in a pile next to my bed? And she's like, well, because I'm sick of them being down there by the door, and it looks ugly, it's trashy. And I'm like, well, I want my shoes by the door. She's like, well, I don't want your shoes by the door. I'm like, well, I don't care what you want because it's my cotton-picking house and I'll have my shoes by the door if I want to. Right? It, guess what happened? Yeah. Well, in her sweet little southern cell, she said, well, I'll throw your shoes outside. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'll throw your shoes outside. 
Well, my shoes are put away in the closet where they belong. You know, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm a man. I'll do what I want. Right. Do you see where that went? How many times does stuff like that happen in our lives? Day in and day out, we fight about the silliest things. And we fight about big things, too. But the reality is that that person is not your enemy. That person is not the problem. The problem is that we have a sin nature, and we want what we want when we want it. For just a moment, I want you to imagine that whole scenario again. I come up, hey, babe, how you doing? Great. Walk around, pile of shoes. What are the shoes doing in the middle of the floor? Sick of them being by the door. Just be quiet for a moment and invite Jesus in to that moment. Because at that moment, I was like, doggone shoes on my corner. Right? So I stop and I realize she's not the problem. Her putting my shoes in the middle of the floor is not the problem. Me leaving them out is not the problem. The problem is that we have sin in our hearts and we want what we want when we want it. So the fight could have totally been avoided if we would have just stopped and prayed together. Think about that for a moment. How many arguments, how many problems, how many divisive things that take place in our homes, in our relationships with our spouses, in our relationships with our children? Teenagers, I'm not letting you off. How often, if you just stopped for a moment and didn't consider what you wanted at that very moment and you considered what Christ wanted and asked Christ into that relationship at that very moment without saying ugly words, how would our lives be different? Pretty amazing, isn't it? Just to think about that. Can we have that much self-control? Can we stop in the moment, the heat of battle, and, and just say, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to surrender it to Christ. Well, today we're going we're gonna to talk about battle plans. We're going to talk about an enemy. You know, I'm an old 82nd Airborne guy, so, and I was in the Gulf War. So when I was putting this sermon together, it's kind of like that military side of me comes out, you know. Like battle plans. How am I going to defeat the enemy in a I mean, real practical way? James does an excellent job of illustrating some things. So we're going to break this down piece by piece. And we're going to back up just a little bit. We're going to go from James chapter 4 to James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So we're going to take a look at that, break that down. I like to illustrate, so another story. <laughs> so I want, to, I want you just for a moment to imagine. I was 16 years old. Thought I was all that in a bag of chips. You know, football player, wrestler, martial arts, the whole nine yards, right? So during the summer, what do football players do? They get ready for football season, right? 
They go running, they lift weights, they, you know, they eat a lot of, of carbs and protein and all this stuff to bulk up, right? So I, I get up one day, I'm going for my, my run, and you know, I'm out jogging, and I, I'd never been down this one street, so I'm like, hey, let me, let me go down this street. You know, so I'm running, listening to my Walkman, you know. See, my Walkman. You, you guys know what that is? No, young people don't. It's funny. Did you ever see that video of they set these young, like, eight, nine-year-olds down in front of a Walkman and gave them, like, a cassette tape and tried, told them to figure it out? And they're like, what is this? You know? That was pretty funny. So anyway, I'm, I'm trucking down the street, and I, and I go by this, this uh, driveway, and there's this pretty girl laying out in a bikini. Hey, how you doing? All right. So I stopped, 16 years old. Hey, hey, what's up? You know, I knew her from school, and she was a pastor's daughter. I knew that her, her dad was a preacher, and they had just moved into town not too long ago. So I'm like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. But, you know, I didn't want to see, seem too overly interested, so I'm like, hey, see you later. Yeah, so I start running. And as the story goes, the next day I get up, and I'm like, hey, hmm. I wonder if that girl would be out on that driveway again. Yeah, let me go over here and lift some weights. Get all jacked up, pumped up, you know. Yeah, go back out running. Go by, hey, how you doing? She was out there again, lo and behold. And then the next day, the next day comes. This is a true story, by the way. I mean, I'm letting you in to the mind of a 16-year-old boy, okay? So the next day, I'm like, hmm, yeah, I pump some iron. Yeah, baby oil. Not only will my muscles... <laughs> My muscles be bulging, but they'll be glistening too. <laughs> right? So, go by. Hey, how you doing? And did you see what happened, the progression that took place there? See, when temptation comes, you can do, do a few things with it. it. The Bible, right here in James, it says that it entices you, Right? Once it's conceived in the mind, then it turns into sin. You can be tempted without sinning. Did you know that? Jesus was tempted, but yet he was without sin. We can be tempted and yet not sin. Now, Devin, where's Devin at? I picked on him the first service. Come on, Devin, get up here. See, but there's a problem that we have as human beings and as Christians. We think that we can handle it, right? So what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to ruminate on it a little bit. So a temptation comes into your mind. I want to I uh, show this just one second, Dev. A temptation comes into your mind. Now, we have one of two things as Christians that we can do. We can say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and I reject it and turn away, right? And we can do that, and a lot of times we do that three or four times. No problem. But maybe that fifth or sixth time we go, hmm. Right? We ruminate a little bit. At that moment, something's happening. We're engaging another part of who we are. We've learned that we are made up um, of, our soul is made up of our mind, will, and emotions, right? When we're tempted, a temptation comes into our mind, 
But when we start to process it and to engage it in our mind, it activates our will. And then out of our will, our emotions are affected. And a lot of times, we'll either do one of two things. We'll either keep playing it out in our minds, continually engaging and letting it become sin. But eventually, what's going to happen? It's going to come out in our emotions and our actions, right? Because we're emotional people and we're driven by those things. So, you know, I'm a martial artist, so I have uh, had a martial art instructor explain it to me this one time. Go ahead, Devin. Devin's got a baseball bat. He's temptation. So my martial art teacher, you know, grabbed a, a bat one day and he said, all right, Jamie, he said, where do you want to be when I swing this bat? Go ahead. Do I want to be right there at the full extension of his attack or do I want to be right here where he has no power? This, this is my son, by the way. <laughs> I've been teaching him martial arts since he was little. Thank you, Devin. See, the problem with Christians is we have one of two things going on. We just don't care a lot of the times, or we want to sit there and and play rope-a-dope with the devil thinking that we got all that and we can handle it. I got news for you. You can't handle it. There's only one who can handle it. Once temptation is conceived in the mind, then it turns into sin. And then sin separates us from God, which brings spiritual death. Think about that in the context of your relationship with your spouse sitting next to you or your child a couple seats down. They are not the problem. Sin is the problem. So we're going to derive some battle plans today on how to be overcomers. How are we going to defeat the enemy? Well, first of all, you got you to know your enemy, right? Well, you don't go into battle without knowing your enemy. Well, our enemy we know is Satan. Paul says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but is against powers and principalities and spirits in the heavenly places. So it's not that we're fighting the person sitting next to us or the people that we're engaged with. We're actually fighting the powers and authorities that have established themselves against the word of God. So when those powers and authorities establish themselves all around us, but we're living under the umbrella of God's protection we were talking about last night, right, Tammy? We're living under the protection of God's umbrella there's all this influence going on around us. It's not that we can't, I, I'm just going to clear something up for you. If you have Jesus Christ on the inside of your heart, you cannot be demon-possessed. The devil cannot possess a soul or a spirit that has been made alive in Jesus Christ. But he can, in, the spiritual forces can influence you. Speak little words, little, bring things into your path, and things of that nature. But God promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That he'll walk with us through all those things. So we know that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's powers and principalities, and more specifically, Satan. Now, I don't talk about him a lot because I don't want to give him too much credence. Because he's a punk. I don't like talking about punks. 
but he is my enemy. And he does want to destroy anything good and pleasing in my life that honors God. So we have to know our enemy. Well, secondly, we have to know the battlefield. In Iraq, we never assaulted any objective without having intel. We had satellite imagery. We had, you know, we had probably had some uh, special forces guys go in front and scout things out. We had, you know, I was a forward observer, so we would jump in behind enemy lines and scout things out and, you know, call in airstrikes and artillery. We never did that without intel. We knew the battlefield. We knew the terrain. We knew their fortifications. We knew their weapons. We knew everything before we went into battle. Why is it any different with the enemy of our soul? We got to know the battlefield. And the battlefield is not our homes. It's not our relationships. But our, the battlefield is your soul. The battlefield is your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. That's where we have to engage the enemy. Because you know what? He's going to hit you where it hurts. Did you ever figure that out? When I got saved, I was in the military and I cussed like a military guy. <clears throat> got saved and didn't cuss anymore. Man, even when something, you can ask my kids, you can ask my wife, when something happens, I might be working on something, smash my thumb. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But a cuss word doesn't come out of my mouth because for some reason God removed that and I don't have to struggle with it. My struggle was with anger because of the childhood that I had and the jerk of a dad. I'm sorry. Sorry, dad. He was not nice, and he knows that. He knows, and we reconciled, and he's forgiven me, and I've forgiven him, and he accepted Christ into his heart at 70-some years old. He was a not very nice person before that. I struggled with anger. I struggled with violence, fighting in bars and fighting in the streets and fighting in the military and fighting everywhere I could fight because I was angry. So I knew when I started into this Christian walk that my fight wasn't going to be because I cussed or whatever. My fight was going to be because I lust or I, I'm angry. Christ is going to hit you where it hurts. I'm just Christ. The devil's going to, not Christ. Now, Christ is going to hit you where it hurts too, but not in this instance. The devil's going to hit you where it hurts, and Christ is going to poke you there and say, I'm going to fix that for you. Excuse me. But we know that it starts in the mind, right? When you're tempted and it's drawn away by your own desires and enticement, then lust is conceived. It gives birth to sin, and it, in full grown, it causes death. Know your, know your enemy, know your battlefield, know your weapons. In Ephesians, Paul says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of the evil comes that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet 
fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith that which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Paul tells us what our weapons are. They're spiritual weapons. And we have to become familiar. Do you think I would use a weapon in warfare that I had never used before? Would you defend your home with a weapon that you've never shot before? How foolish would that would be? We have to be ready for the enemy. We have to know God's plan. So the plan for victory, number one, if you're taking notes, number one, admit that you are trapped in sin. Admit that you're trapped in sin. We think, and I have many people tell me this, well, I'll give my life to Christ when I X, Y, Z. When I stop smoking, or when I stop drinking, or when I stop. You're trapped in sin. You're never going to do those things, quit those things. You're never going to quit sinning on your own. Plain and simple. You're not strong enough. We are flawed in that way. And then the second thing we have to do is we have to recognize that the battle is in your mind. Most of the problems that we have can be managed, not managed, but eradicated before they're ever conceived and become sin. If you do what? Meditate on the word of God. So I have people ask me all the time, Pastor Jamie, when, how often should I read my Bible? And I tell them, that's pretty simple. The mo- when you get up in the morning, you should read your Bible. When you go to bed at night, you should read the Bible. And any time you're tempted, <laughs> I could hear your minds turning. Like, man, I'll be doing that all day long. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Until you get some measure of freedom. Because when I was a much younger man, I was doing this. And in counseling, by the way, this is called sandbagging. When you have an area where there's a life-dominating sin, for let's just take, for instance, for lust. So say I, I really struggle with lust. I ask for God to forgive me of that. I break it over my life. I reject it. I renounce it. I invite Christ into that area of my life. Then what I do is I start to sandbag. I start to build a fortification with Scripture around that area of my life. So when I'm faced, I see a pretty girl, or I I lust in some way, instead of allowing it to be a temptation that's conceived in my mind and which turns into sin, then what I can do is stop it right there. I can beat the attack of the enemy, and I can say, I have a Scripture ready. I've wrote them down on note cards. You can ask him. I'd have him... My, my, my thing on my, my um, dashboard, I have in the mirror in my bathroom, I have one in my pocket. Wherever I went, I had a scripture ready to defend myself against the attack of the enemy. So 
when the enemy would come and I might lust or something like that as a young man, I would say, flee from all sexual immorality for all other sin a man commits is outside the body. Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit bought at a price? Therefore, honor God with your body. Guess what just happened to the devil? He's gone. He's hitting the bricks. But if you meditate on Scripture and you have the gospel ready to combat the enemy, you can drive him away. That's three. Make no provision for the flesh. Just don't do it. If I was, if I was talking to myself as a 16-year-old man, I'd say, dummy, don't run down that street. No more. Yeah, you ran down it one time, ask God to forgive you, and forget about her. But no, I made provision for the flesh. I kept running down that street. And that's what we do. We sit there and we act like we can play rope-a-dope with the enemy and not get hit. You're going to get hit. That's all there is to it. So make no provision for the flesh. Just put accountability in place where it's just not possible for you to walk in that sin. And then remember the priority of pursuit. You must focus on victory and chase the enemy out of your life. So going on with our example here. So you lust. You see a pretty girl, you lust. You rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You ask God to forgive you if there was any uh, temptation beyond just in your mind. And then you, you, perse- you, know, you push it out with the scripture, right? You drive it out with the scripture, but you don't stop there. See, there's this principle in combat called the principle of pursuit. When you have the enemy on the run, you don't stop. Because if you stop, what can they do? They regroup and reattack, correct? So the principle of pursuit, and some people call it the priority of pursuit, is that you continue to attack. So I see a pretty girl, I have a temptation in my mind, I reject it, I quote a scripture, then I say, in the name of Jesus, I pray for that young lady, I pray right now that she's gonna be blessed. She's gonna marry a godly man, they're gonna have godly children, and they're gonna win tens of thousands of people for Christ Jesus. So I just don't stop at defending myself, but I implore the principle of pursuit and I eradicate the enemy from my life. Well, after a little while, you know, the devil's kind of a, he's actually fairly smart in that sense. He just don't come around no more. And then after years of of doing that, guess what happens? You begin to walk in freedom in that area. And then the enemy sends by a pretty girl and you're like, and you don't even see her. And you're not tempted because you've done the work. The problem with Christians is we're lazy and we don't want to do the work of the gospel. So I implore you this morning, six principles right here that could transform every relationship, every part of your life. Husbands to wives, daughters to sons, daughters to whatever. Siblings, you know what I mean. Daughters to mothers, daughters to fathers, sons to mothers, sons to daughters. Think about the impact on relationships that that could have. And lastly, victory. I like that word, victory. 
victory is found in the pursuit. You'll never find victory sitting on your hands. You'll never find victory not engaging the enemy. Let's pray. Could you stand with me? <clears throat> Have my uh, counselors come. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, <clears throat> we just thank you, Father, for everything that you have taught us here today. Lord, we know without a doubt that we cannot do it without you. Lord, that <clears throat> sin that is in our heart, it's not going anywhere unless we invite you in. We're foolish to think that we can do it on our own. So step one, acknowledge that I'm trapped in sin. Step two, in that process, is acknowledging that you are Lord of my life. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your personal Savior, if you've never asked him to come in and take the sin away, if you've never asked him to be Lord of your life and to surrender to him, you're here for a reason. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray right now that, we, that the Holy Spirit come in and just quicken the hearts of those that need to accept you as their personal Savior. I just pray right now that you breathe on them, Holy Spirit. Cause their spirits to be regenerated in the name of Jesus. That life will spring forth right now. If you're here and you've never asked Christ in your heart and you want to do so, everybody's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm the only one looking around. Raise your hand. If you want to act, ask Jesus into your heart, just go ahead and raise your hand. Maybe you've done that in the past, but you want to rededicate your life. You've been walking in sin. You've been allowing sin to separate you from God. You've been walking in a spiritual death that you do not want to walk in any longer, that you want life, you want freedom. Just slip your hand up right now. I see your hand. God sees your hand. You want freedom from the tormentor? The enemy of your soul, I see your hand. Yes, over here. Lord, I just pray for these that raise their hand. Lord, that I just pray right now, Father, as they open their hearts and they open their minds to you, that you move in, Lord, like a, a rushing wind, and you just blow the enemy away. Lord, and you just uh, establish yourself in their hearts today. Lord, Give them freedom from whatever has trapped them there. Let them experience a, a fresh fire that, they've, that they haven't had for a long time or maybe they've never had. Lord, let them have that fresh fire that burns on the inside of them. Lord, I pray right now that their eyes will be open to spiritual things and that the Holy Spirit will begin to move in their life and show them things that they've never seen before. Lord, I, I ask that you show them the, show them the path of freedom. 
Deliver them. Let their hope and their trust be in you today. If I've prayed for you now. These people are here to pray with you. So when I release today, please don't leave here without praying with somebody down here. We have some red bags for those that have given your life to Christ. It has a Bible and some other things in it. Make sure that they take your name down and somebody will follow up with you and help you along your way. You don't have to do this alone. For the rest of us, Lord, I just pray right now a special blessing. Lord, that we can walk into this next week with a, a newfound sense of victory. Lord God, that we have battle plans, that we know how to combat the enemy. Lord, and as the husbands and wives and, and families gather together, Lord, that they pray and they invite Christ into every situation. And Lord, when a, a conflict arises, they stop. They don't speak any words but they, uh, to each other that are ugly, but they invite the Holy Spirit to come in in that moment and diffuse the situation. Lord, I pray that the enemy has no foothold in any marriage, in any family, in any relationship of any of us here today. Lord, we just thank you. We just honor your name. 